Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Freedom International live stream. I bring you divine greetings and I want to greet you with absolute humility and gratitude for everything that you've been doing to share all our streams to other people and you know and everything that you do to contribute to this movement because without each and every one of you we will all feel like uh we're talking to the wall or where things are not going anywhere so we're really happy and after this live stream it will be posted up in all different pod, uh, platforms in bit and rumble as you all know we come from different uh, parts of the world with different backgrounds so we have uh, joy in really putting our critical minds together so that we can we don't have to just limit ourselves with one perception one information one info you know and then we are not even able to accumulate these things and put it into practice because the most important thing is from this conversation whatever resonates to you act on it okay so sometimes we said is enough of talking enough of thinking but act on it on where this will lead us to sovereignty freedom and truth so today now we are most honored and privileged and excited to have mickey willis for most of you i believe you know mickey willis and his name is synonymous with plandemic Okay, and for those of you who don't know and you still haven't seen it, for heaven's sake, go and look at it, okay? <laughs> just look at it. it uh, so when I first saw that movie or just even the title, I said, wow, what a powerful word. Because then what resonates to me is pandemic. Now this is going to be beyond what we've been talking about, the V, v v v and all the v's okay and but we're going to all this pandemic and when it's pandemic you know there's someone something some system behind it so mickey is an independent filmmaker and he's respected globally for exposing corruption at the highest levels of government politics education business and medicine and that really is important because many claims to be a filmmaker many claims to be a journalist and yet it doesn't bring us to anywhere, but it's still being quarantined in our mind, okay? And just being like siphon, being like a, like a vampire with all our energy. So this one-of-a-kind show that he they, they've been doing holds the title of the world's largest single screen film event, and that is the Elevate Film Festival. And... Uh, it, it's they've been doing a lot of uh, documentary films and of course one of the most um, celebrated and also vilified and just most some people hate it is that movie pandemic with a bil billion views so as i said go and look at it so behind behind every powerful creation and art is a story of the creator so that's where i want to start mickey why didn't you just become just like everyone else doing all these other films and then you don't have to sacrifice your whole life your whole family your whole whatever you know trying to do so what is the story behind your being what you're doing now from that pandemic and even before the pandemic yeah well the i was pursuing a, a very traditional and normal career as a filmmaker in Hollywood for 
a number of years. And it was my experience that I had at the World Trade Center 9-11. Um, I was near the World Trade Center when it was attacked and went to the scene and did search and rescue and body recovery for three days. And uh, that was a life-changing experience to say the least. And, and it, it was a snap to grid moment for me. So when I came back to Hollywood, suddenly all the stuff that I was okay with before, I was suddenly starting to question. I had a big career as a music video director and I was making commercials and all, all, all sorts of things that I thought was the goal. But suddenly I, 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 would, I was looking at the legacy of my work and, and I had the thought, um, you know, when I have children one day, is any of this, you know, worthy of showing them? Am I proud of my work? What have I contributed to this planet and to, to our people? And it was kind of alarming to me that I went through my repertoire of, of, of work and my portfolio and I thought, there's really, there's a few cool moments that I would show my kids when I have them, but there's really nothing that I can stand by and say, this, this is what I brought to the world. And, uh, and so it really, it really kind of shook me, you know, because I, what I had experienced as I was working in search and rescue at the World Trade Center was kind of a, a, a deeper aspect of humanity. And, and I witnessed men and women that uh, after having been told that the air they were breathing would likely kill them, no one left uh, at, at the very slight chance of rescuing one living person. And it, sh it showed me that at, at the core, when something happens, it's so much greater than all of our own you know, self-prescribed identity and our addictions and fetishes and all the material stuff that we've become addicted to, um, that there's something really good at the core of humanity and we'll risk our lives for it. And, um, and so, you know, coming back into Tinseltown, as they call Hollywood, and doing the same level of work just to sell products or to sell albums for musicians that didn't necessarily have a good message, and all of that suddenly came into focus for me. And I thought, you know, I either want out totally, which was a scary thought to me because all I really know is this business, um, or I need to recreate my life and reinvent myself and, and how I'm going to navigate through this world that... Uh, of Hollywood that uh, tends to suck your soul. And, um, and so I, I left it for a year and a half and that's when I uh, developed the idea for Elevate Film Festival and that I would do my part in helping others have the same awakening that I had to remember that there is a, 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 an original dream that we all have that brings us into this world we call entertainment and it's to tell stories and it's to move people and it's to, it's to advance us uh, in, our, in our evolution of humanity, not just to sell products and to make um, corporate you know, monopolies more powerful. And so uh, that just changed my path. And uh, since then, I've been, I've been taking that you know, uh, step by step to the next level. Um, and uh, I have now a lot of, a lot of other artists behind me are, are in front of me and next to me who um, have all had the same awakening. So it's, it's growing rapidly and it's a, it's a very reassuring and wonderful thing to witness. Oh, thank you so much. And we're really, I myself really are uh, impressed and grateful for artists like you for, because in a lot of the change in, the, in society, if artists really play a powerful role. And so as a father, since you mentioned about the movies, and many of times lately, most of us have been saying, it's in the movies, they've been showing it to us and we're not paying attention. And then of course, we think about the children. So now what 
how how do you manage that in terms of you as a father and in for your children and then how, how, how what is the best thing that you're doing right now and so that maybe the parents listening to us can have that um assurance of what they need to do in terms of entertainment that's one of my favorite subjects to talk about is as parenting particularly fatherhood um and um i, I will say to your first statement about the power of art and creativity and storytelling you know, they say art imitates life. Um, and I'd like to say it's the other way around. Uh, life has a tendency to imitate art. And so we have to take responsibility as artists to understand that the kids are always listening. The messages that we put out, uh, they get, if you think about somebody giving a, giving a speech, maybe a TED talk, a few million people will see it once. But a song is something that many people, millions of people hear over and over and over. And that kind of repetitive messaging really sticks in our subconscious. And so when artists understand that what they're putting out in the world actually shapes their world and creates the environment that they and their family must um, live in, um, I hope more artists take responsibility to, to understand that um, you know, there's some things that perhaps we should leave out and a lot more that we should put in uh, that will actually advance us um, in our, in our uh, evolution together. Um, regarding your question with, with what I teach uh, my sons, I have a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old and they're remarkable young men. Um, and uh, I don't keep anything from them. We've never lied to them. We started from the beginning. My wife and I said, there is no Santa Claus. There is no Tooth Fairy. There is no Easter Bunny. We're going to tell you straight up what the world is really like. We're not going to ever have that moment when you realize that all the big people in your life lied to you. Um, we're going to tell you that magic is a trick. And we're going to show you, I'm going to show you how it works. And letting them behind the curtain and, and, and have that respect of not toying with their imagination, but allowing them to find the beauty, um, the, the magic in the trick itself, and, and marvel at, at a magician's sleight of hand, and to actually choose to play the game of Santa Claus and still have the, the conscious um, relationship to what's real and what's not real, but to still play the game. Uh, it has been re remarkable way that I've noticed that they've been become emp empowered um, to become little truth seekers themselves. They now are, are even at my, my seven-year-old, will overhear a video that I'm listening to as I'm researching, and he'll sometimes dissect it and tell me exactly what's going on. He'll say, it sounds to me like those politician people are trying to get everyone scared to make everybody do what they want. And he's seven years old and he'll tell me, and I'll say, that's exactly right, buddy. It's a really great assessment of what I'm listening to right now. Um, but above all, the, the thing that, um, if I had to pick one thing that will um, save our next generations is our educational systems have become so corrupt and within them, they have been for decades teaching the children what to think as opposed to how to think. And so as a result, we have a cognitive um, process that is, that is askew, that is causing our young people to lose touch with what is real and what is not real, what is good for them and what is bad for them. And so when we teach our children how to think, how to process critically information, as opposed to telling them what the answer is, 
but to have let them find their own answers respectfully, giving them, you know, guiding them through this the selection process, um, but to really actually teach them. For for an example, um, if one of my sons uh, becomes upset with the other one for any reason, they rarely fight, which is just a miracle. Uh, but when they have a, a disagreement, I'll ask my. Um, the last time it happened was my seven year old was was upset at something that his ten year old brother did. And so the question was, who in this moment is steering your attention? And, and that question in itself allows them to, to stop and think, what, steering my attention. Yes, your, your attention. It's like, the, it's like the steering wheel of your focus and who is steering that right now. And the moment they come into um, me, yeah. So are you steering it in a direction that's healthy for you right now, that's healthy for your relationship with your brother? What's a, another possible choice that you could look at? Because right now it sounds like you're a victim of your brother. Um, and what is, the, what is more real? And I'll say, well, what's real is, is that my brother did something that I didn't like. Okay, but so you have a disagreement. And so instead of assigning a story to your brother that he's mean or he doesn't like you or he doesn't care, then we can boil it down scientifically to you have a disagreement. He thinks that's left is the way to go. You think right is the way to go. And how do you work that out now without assigning the emotional stories to it that then become between your relationship? You can just look at it for what it is, and that is a disagreement of direction. And, and, and they, they understand this at a very young age, and then they start to become emotionally intelligent such that they don't allow big dramas to get in the way. You know, they, they, uh, my boys are the first ones to always tell their, their friends, that's not proper use of your tears. And, and so what, what they mean by that is, is we, we had a talk a long time ago about, I said, you'll hear in, the, in this life that men don't cry, and that's not true. Crying is a very powerful tool, but it is a tool to not be abused. You don't cry when you're trying to manipulate. You don't whine when you're trying to get what you want. Um, and we talked about the boy who cried wolf a lot. We say, if you cry all the time, then when you really need comfort and support, we might not be there for you because we may mistake it for something that you're exaggerating about. And so if you can use proper use of your tears and use them when it, you really have something to express, then people will be there for you. But don't misuse them and don't abuse them. And so they're very clear about, about you know, how, how to not manipulate with their emotions. And uh, that is one thing that a lot of parents have a struggle with is when their children start to run their lives. And because they, they, they become little emotional. And we, and we learned this at birth, right? The very first really interaction that we have was, you know, we feel the, the, the pain of hunger. We make a sound, a crying sound, and then we get fed. And so we, as we grow up, we think, okay, all I need to do is whine or cry and I can get what I want. Uh, but this becomes a problem as we get older. And we're seeing that now in the streets with a lot of the movements that are being led by children, um, young people who are uh, whining about things instead of act, taking right action and, 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 and finding justice in a better way than burning down our cities. Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for uh, that uh, sharing of your experience. I did the same with my son, and so he never had a Santa Claus picture. <laughs> so, and then uh, just other things and making him be a critical thinker, even at young age, even like determining if, oh, you know, is do you notice 
if someone is using drugs or not so that I don't have to worry that if he is around people and he happens to, you know, then he would notice that and to stay away with it. And so um, it seems like what I'm hearing is it's so important that these teachings of self-sovereignty and respect really begins from uh, us as parents and then molded and, you know, just we do our best within the home. And of course, once they're in their adult states, they have to do their own journey for that. Now, when when it comes to um, this, the, the adults, what else can a filmmaker, can an artist really do to help so that more and more people could really see what the pandemic what the plans are so that as you said we have the power to alter the direction to steer it in the way that it will be beneficial for and beneficial for what the source wants us to to be you know to be more you know not to siphon each other's energy well it's it's very important that we, I, I used a metaphor a moment ago about uh, uh, magicians, and it's very important that we learn the tricks that are being used against us. And so people are, and it blows my mind that there are so many people that are tricked by the mainstream media every single day. It's a magic trick. Everything the media is suggesting us to look at is trying to detour us from looking and seeing the trick hand. Right. So m most of sleight of hand is done in a way where magicians become very skilled at creating some kind of diversion, you know, um, whether it's a joke with, you know, uh, some of the audience or whatever. And while that's happening, this hand is doing something else and it's flipping the card or whatever it's doing. And so th this is a, a tactic that, that's used by the mainstream media. Anything the mainstream media and that's I'm talking about 95 percent of, of the mainstream media. Anything that they're focused on, telling you to focus on, is the trick. Mm -hmm. And so reverse engineer that. Understand that if they're telling you to look that way, the truth is probably that way. And so be aware of that because we're so easily led. They, they say, you know, be afraid. This is what's happening. They're the bad guys. And then we, and then we, we start moving like cattle um, in the direction that they're guiding us in. Instead of going, stop for a second. You've never been honest with us before. All of your advice has either been misinformation, disinformation, or blatant deadly lies that has put our, our country at odds with other nations and killed millions of innocent people. Why, why do we continue to listen to you? You're not news. This is not nothing to do with news. It's controlled narrative. And so if we understand that from the beginning, then we're ahead of the game already. So the media says something and it says, a new variant, everyone be scared, and this is what's coming. Slow down. But right now, everyone puts their mask on and goes back into panic mode. Slow down a second. Consider what's going on in the world of politics. Consider how they might be leveraging this to get everyone, you know, because the fear is, is dwindling, you know, as COVID starts to shape, change shape and all of that. So they have, to, they have to keep fear alive. They have to keep fear alive. Why? Because the fear, there's, there's scientific reasons of what happens in our brain when we go into fight or flight mode. And, and that's when we just, you know, we, we become reactive instead of re responsive. And when we're, re when we're in that mode, it's very important to, to consider that, you know, if you look at the job of an EMT, have you ever seen an ambulance that says an emergency react vehicle? No, it says emergency response vehicle mm -hmm. because they're trained to respond 
while the citizens are reacting. So a horrible tragedy happens, a car accident. Everyone stands around screaming, oh my God, and they can't believe it shouldn't have happened. They're in a place of denial. EMTs arrive and they say, calm down. Tell us what happened. They go to the scene. They're not, they show no emotion. So it may look like from a snapshot that they care less, but they're actually doing more good than all the people around that are panicking. And so they stay calm, they assess the situation, and they go there to save a life. And so if we could become more like that, more, more better trained in our, the way that we respond to life instead of reacting, um, then we could, we could actually do more good together. You know, we don't necessarily need others to come in and rescue us. We can respond to a, a, a crisis. And, and so that's, you know, in answer to your question, that's one of the most important things that we can do is to shift our perspective of the way we see ourselves because we've been wired to see we're just these lowly humans trying to survive every month and pay our bills. And there are others that are well-trained and, and we vote for them and they're going to come in and make our lives better. It hasn't never worked. It will never work. This is the moment in time in history that we, the people, step forward to lead ourselves, to make our own policies and, and to educate our children, to create our own sovereignty. And so it, it's the same message for creators and filmmakers is stop towing the line for, for the people that are at the helm of this agenda. It's amazing to me how many people out there, um, if you ask them, you say, do you trust your government? No. Do you trust big pharma? No. Do you trust the mainstream media? No. But you're living your life making every decision based upon what the government says, what big media says, and all of them are paid for, funded, and controlled by big pharma. So you're literally towing the line for big, big pharma executives that have zero liability, and, and they have killed millions of people with their irresponsible, uh, uh, you know, illegal uh, tests that they uh, experiments that they've done on humanity through time, and yet we continue to pay them with our attention. And so that's what we need to stop doing. And, and start to, to create our, our own uh, unified networks of and for, by the people that um, make those old systems obsolete. That's um, my long answer to your short question. Excellent. Thank you so much. I'll pass it on to Steve. Hi, Steve. Oh, wow. Uh, just some amazing nuggets in there. It's an honor to be speaking with you, Mickey. Um, I remember listening to you and you took your son out to see a, a man who'd had no home. Uh, you know, you wanted to really show him and that like just so impressed me. Um, I don't have any kids, but, you know, it's like this is the truth, you know, and, and he's human, too. And uh, that, that was you know. a, yeah, a, a video that at the time when my sons were very curious about homelessness and they were starting to encounter a lot of people on the street and we we're explaining to them that these people are homelessness and. And they would say, why? And, and I said, well, there's various reasons. They may have fallen on really hard times. They may have an addiction problem. They have mental health issues, but it's a major issue here. And instead of just telling them about it, uh, I took them to the streets and sat down with um, people that were houseless, as they like to be called, and talked about how they got there. And it was an amazing experience for my kids to actually learn um, how to see them as humans 
and how to have a greater compassion. So I just wanted to clarify what you meant by that. Thank you. Yeah, this is fantastic. So I, there's so much amazing stuff. I guess I'm enamored with your story because <laughs> I heard you speaking about, you know, you were rooting, you were part of the Bernie thing. And, you know, there was this term called uh, democratic socialism. And you were asking people what it was. And they were like, well, it's a new form of communism. And you're like, what? You know. <laughs> yeah. But you were like, you were asking people while you're, you know, you're sort of saying, well, okay, so explain a new form of communism. Mm -hmm. And the answers you were getting were unsatisfactory and you left. I mean, that's just amazing that, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't adding up for you. You couldn't be a part of it. So you left. And if, I don't know if you're familiar with Alex Newman. Do you know Alex Newman? Yeah, I do. Okay. So like he's, you know, such a smart wit and knowledgeable guy about the kids being indoctrinated, brainwashed, um, taught nothing deliberately. And, um, you know, so the, the, the frustration I have is I know, like, I was, I was very asleep until eight years ago. Okay. So the, the reason I woke up was because I had time on my hands. And, you know, part of, part of the, 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 the trap is also the treadmill, you know, bombarded with the big life and do this and then look externally and you're, you, you know, you're, you're trying to make ends meet and, and uh, you, you're not living by faith, you're living in fear and you never have time to think. And that's, that's part of it. But I'm always, I'm always sort of like, you know, say, it's like in order, I always think in order for people to get it, they need to have a foundation that their government is lying to them. Mm -hmm. But and but most people don't believe that. What's the motive? No way. It, they they could never organize it. Why would they do that, right? So, but then I get, come to your brother, AIDS, and we come back to a character Frauchi, and you know the the point I'm trying to make is these are career criminals, yeah. and and these people, you know, the people making decisions right now haven't treated one case of COVID personally. That's right. Right. So. You know, your brother um, suffered at the at the deliberate hands of a protocol that was, I think, meant to to kill AIDS mm -hmm. patients. And the the person at the at the head of that is involved today making decisions. So there's nothing new under the sun, as David, uh, as um, Mark Passio would say. Yeah. Um, but so I'm going to tie a bunch of stuff in. So we have there's nothing new under the sun. And these are career criminals and they're not who you, they think you are. And yes, your government will lie to you. But, um, you know, the the, um, the the thing is, how do we how do we get through the brainwashing to get that wake up idea that this is possible, that, you know, that something so crazy is, is actually been happening for millennia? Well, that's that's happening right now at a at a pace that it really surprises me how rapidly things are happening right now. Um, I knew when I pushed the button uh, May the fourth, twenty twenty, on pandemic, that I would have to deal with a few years of being a leper in society. I knew what was coming, and um, but already the tide has turned, and is turning, and we have a lot to um, be thankful for in terms of a really horrific administration that is making one critical error after the next from Afghanistan, which we're involved in rescues at, uh, in Afghanistan still today. We got involved immediately when that whole debacle took place and 
We're about to release a film, uh, I think tomorrow it goes out, um, that we did with journalist Laura Logan. And, um, and so as all of these mandates continue, as people start to wake up, uh, my, my team and I have a, a unique uh, process of research. And that is, we don't just study the, uh, the headline information and the current events. We also, uh, I, I call it keeping our finger on the pulse of society. And we, we study certain comment threads on uh, platforms that people aren't expecting to be read. So uh, as opposed to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, where people are writing for their tribe, virtue signaling for their tribe, um, there are other platforms, uh, mostly video-based platforms like YouTube and others, where people make comments, um, but they don't really expect the same kind of engagement of a social network. And when you study those and you, uh, you know, we watch all sides of, of, of political um, uh, uh, parties. And so we'll watch a hardcore progressive channels, an assortment of them, hardcore far left channels. We watch the far right channels, the, the centrist channels. And for the first time in my life, all of those channels are becoming unified in their disdain for what's happening in our country right now. It is kind of mind-blowing to see people that e even on, you know, if you read the comments on CNN, which used to just be, you know, a cesspool of delusional ideology, and now when they come out and they say, oh, the Omicron, the new variant, whatever, the comments are like, we see what you're doing, people. We understand. Here we go. Just on cue, you're getting us ramped up for another winter of fear because we're heading towards the flu season. We get it. You know, the, um, the, the comment threads, people are waking up so rapidly. And uh, I didn't expect it to happen this fast. So that, that is something for us to celebrate together. And there's still a lot of people that are sleeping, a lot of people that are in denial. But we have to understand the mechanisms for which holds that, that, that hold that in place. And that is we have here in the West, we have an ego problem. We have an issue with people not admitting that when they're wrong. Uh, being right has been so rewarded that they see being wrong as such a weakness when it's really a strength. You know, you mentioned I was on the road with Bernie Sanders and I was promoting him big time. But what I discovered on the road through, you know, multiple interviews with his staff and supporters and all of that is there was an ideology that, that I found to be very dangerous and it was shocking to me. I had to come back into society and say, I withdraw my support and I'm sorry, I was wrong. I was terribly uneducated. I, I just thought if you threw the word um, democratic in front of socialism, it meant something different. It doesn't. It is a Trojan horse that will lead us into a place of total totalitarianism. And I was wrong. And so it's important. But with the situation like COVID, when the people have been so fired up to shame each other, to, to turn their neighbors in, to report each other, uh, family members saying, you can't come to Christmas. We, you know, you can't. Uh, you know, we want to see our new grandchild, but you can't come unless you're all vaccinated. They've made such egregious, strong moves in their lives that for them to come back from that now would mean really sucking up their ego to say, wow, you know, it turns out that, you know, what I was fighting for a year ago, it turns out that a lot of these conspiracy theorists are being proven right day after day. And admitting that takes a really humble person. 
I really appreciate the opening of this, and it's it's very it, it's not surprising coming from a Filipina because I have an incredible reverence for Filipino people. Uh, but to open by saying, you know, in humility and gratitude, you know, these are powerful words that you spoke, and and so to to for us to come back to a place of humility and gratitude is a very very critical thing um, to admit that we're wrong. You know, I, I would love to see as, as something that, it, that went so big in the world of, like, say, the Me Too movement. I would love to see a, a, an apology movement where people just start to post hashtags of I'm sorry. I, I now see that, that I was led astray by tr a trillion dollar industry that I was fooled by. It's OK to say that, people. I was led astray. I fought people online saying that Bernie Sanders was going to save America. I fought people online. I believed it with every fiber of my being. And I was wrong. And I was told what he would do when he was out of office or when the campaign was over. And he did exactly that. He supported all the corporate interests and all the false narratives and very destructive narratives about, you know, uh, every, every wealthy person is evil and, and oppressing those at the bottom. These are very, very destructive, communistic ideologies. And so um, it's really for us to humble ourselves and to ask ourselves what's more important. It's the same thing we do. My wife and I have been together 20 years, Filipina, um, 20 years. And um, we have never had a, a full-blown fight, never. We've had some really serious discussions. We've had moments where we're incredibly frustrated with each other. But we ask ourselves one question, what is more important, being right in this moment or being love? And so we stop in that moment and we just say, listen, I, I, I see that I'm getting on a bandwagon to fight for being right right now. And you don't have to agree with me and I don't have to be right. I'm going to hold on to my position and let's not convince each other of everything, uh, of, of each other's ways. Let's not do that. Let's just come back to, to remember one thing. I love you. And that stops us from going too far into that righteous position of, of trying to dominate each other with our, our own ideologies. Yeah. You know, let, let her have hers. I might disagree with it. I might think it's absurd, but, but she can have that. Yeah. Well, it also, it. a lot of the nuggets that you and Grace put out were everything it's like zen meets eckhart toll meets you know um you know meets meets realizing your true self which is really um it's about not it's about not committing theft on anyone there's two natural laws i believe in the universe don't commit theft and don't harm another being and don't harm another being means emotionally, physically, mentally. So mm -hmm. if, you, if you don't commit theft and don't harm another being emotionally, physically, mentally, uh -huh. you're coming from a place of love. And it's really this drive that uh, everyone's been driven to materialism and scientism and in the intellectual mind. We've been trapped mm -hmm. in our minds. And that drives us away from morality and love. And, you know, you were talking about reacting and responding. And that's one of my biggest things. You know, your ego reacts and your heart responds. Mm -hmm. And sometimes responding means saying nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I think in order, I think the way out of this is for people to go in and to come from a place of love and to respond and not react and to 
to to look at everyone as a brother and a sister and okay. and not to buy you know even i don't care how indoctrinated you are i don't care how brainwashed you are i don't care how much you watch the news uh you know it doesn't take a genius to know that it doesn't matter what color you are or it doesn't matter uh you know whatever you're told you have the ability to make a decision and to discern and know what's best for you and the people around you. Treat others as you would want to be treated. It's as simple as that. And it's very important, very well said. And it's very important that we um, that we regain our our natural senses. We have been systemically, by design, severed from this thing that informs nature. All of wildlife, flowers, trees. Everything, I, I, I bring this metaphor up a lot because we need to pay attention to, if you see thousands of birds flying in unison, moving at the same, as one body, turning on a dime, how do they do that? How do they do that at such rapid speeds, radical changing of directions, all as one body? We, we take that for granted. We see that and we say it's beautiful and that's, that's, that's the first step. But then the question should be, how do they do that? And why is it with us that we can barely even be in relationships with people we love? You know, what has happened? Well, in my opinion, we have lost touch with our natural instincts, our way to actually receive this broadcast of divine intelligence that's always available. And the metaphor it should be, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember when there was nothing cordless. Everything, it made sense that you go, okay, here's a wire, and this wire is connected to my microphone, and that's going to, oh, well, this is interesting. The pack ends here. Oh, so it's sending out a signal. And I remember dealing with that when I was a young, you know, younger, curious person of just thinking, how is the signal of my voice being transmitted through the air and landing on another device that somehow you know, recreates it and broadcasts it exactly the way I sound, that's extraordinary. I remember the first time I experienced a fax machine. I remember this vividly. I remember and you send a photo and it's turning it into digital information and it's being broadcast to another country and it reproduces the photo exactly the same way. And I just marveled at this because I thought this is extraordinary. And we, we take for granted these little uh, technologies and, and innovations in our lives. But if we look at that and, and we understand that all we're doing is emulating our natural system, as we start to discover and evolve you know, our, our intelligence, we, we then realize, oh, information is, is transferred um, magnetically, energetically. And so, you know, but we're still kind of hardwired to the leadership of our world instead of being in this place. And it's one of the reasons is we're so distracted. And when you're busy all the time and you're distracted all the time, you don't have that moment. There's a reason people come back to things like meditation and it's been happening for thousands of years. And some of the wisest, most you know, grounded, evolved people will talk about meditation because it allows you to be silent enough to listen. To listen to what? Your own head? No, not your own head. That's just that's just recycled data of, of programmed information. So what are we listening to? We're listening to some divine broadcast that suddenly comes in and gives us creative ideas, the next chapter of our of our mission, 
um, advice, life advice, just some clarity comes in and you can call that God or whatever you choose to call it, nature, love, whatever. But we have to learn to be still again to receive that kind of guidance because listening to other people is not working. So we have to listen to our own intelligence that's coming in and it's always in the air like right now in the room that you're in and the room that every listener is in is filled with signals. That's why you can tune your radio to a, a plethora of, of frequencies and receive a, an assortment of, of, of musical channels. It's in your room right now. You just have to tune into it. And so we have to learn, I shouldn't say have to, but we have the opportunity to learn um, of, of how to tune our systems, our, our transistor you know, uh, receivers and broadcasters that is the human body to tune it into frequencies that better serve us. And that's a process that I think we're right now going to be forced to graduate into because it's a wonderful thing that we've realized that all the stations that they're, they've hardwired us to are, are music that is destructive to our future. And so we're tuning that out right now. And we're saying, what music do we choose to listen to? And that's, that's a, a, a powerful transition of humanity that I think is going to eventually um, result in a more awakened, aware, and intuitively evolved and mature um, collective uh, that is humanity. Yeah, wow, that's so well said. And also, it, you're, as you pull off the layers of the programming and the fear and the beliefs, you're really getting out of your head and you're getting into your heart. Mm -hmm. And once you pull that dirt, I say we're all born as a, as a perfectly shining mirror yeah. and that's your soul. And then you get dirt thrown on it and you know, you get beliefs and you're not good enough. And, and, and the, and the mirror, the shining soul becomes covered, but the light's still mm -hmm. there. It's just covered. So yeah. if you take off the dirt and the beliefs and the programming and the fear, yeah. Then you get to your true self. And that's and that's where yeah. that's where you can have such appreciation and gratitude and love for someone that a minute ago you thought wasn't good enough for you or you could do better because of a TV commercial or something you saw in a magazine. You you would you could just burst with love for that person. Yeah. Um, and that's you know that's that's where we go. And I think I think this is pushing people. Um, I think this is a collective dark night of the soul. And in some ways I, I don't know if there's, it's true about, you know, Rudolf Steiner talks about epochs and that planets evolve and, and they, they mature and, you know, so, and societies with it and, and that the highs and lows are part of it and that, you know, we're in an end time, but it's a necessary part to get to another level. I don't know if that's true, but mm -hmm. if it is, then this is somehow necessary because we've had it too good and people are thinking about themselves and, and it's a materialism, it's a consumerism, scientific mentality and and everyone's looking externally um for for you know pleasure and um and 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 love or but it's all it it everything you need is within you mm -hmm. and and as soon as you start to tap into that the world can change and that's yeah well you mentioned the term in time and i think it's important that people reframe what that actually means it doesn't mean it's the end of the book it means it's the end of the chapter Yes. And so, you know, imagine your feeling that you get. There, there's a, a very particular feeling that we get when we're reading a book and we've actually reached the end of a chapter. There's kind of a sigh of relief, 
like, okay, there's more to come, but I've, I've, I've accomplished something here. I'm at a point where I can pause now and reflect and, and then start a whole new journey within the same framework of the story that I'm already invested in. And so, uh, you know, if we can reframe where we are right now, it's not the end of the book. It's not the end of the story. It is the end of, the, of a chapter. And I, I would imagine that this book has endless chapters, infinite chapters. But we're about to get to a very interesting chapter. And it's one that we've all uh, bargained for to come here, to be in these bodies, to have this experience. And so there should be some excitement that comes with moving to this next chapter because it's going to be a, a challenging one, but um, one that is, is filled with a lot of victory and a lot of um, incredible opportunities to learn and grow. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you. I could talk forever. Thanks for everything you do. I'm uh, very, very appreciative of um, your talent and, you, and what you put out to society. And I look forward to Plandemic 3, and I'll pass you on to Roy. All right, thank you. Hi, Mickey. Hi, Roy. Um, we've interviewed a lot of different people and like I, I'm noticing, we've noticed it on even some of our guests, the symbolism that they're using and then just watching different things. So I personally believe that some of them are infiltrated. They're becoming famous to spread the message, but not necessarily from the right point. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed that? Because you, you'd have this, I mean, you, you talk to a lot more, you'd have a bigger circle. Uh, clar clarify that question. Have I noticed what exactly? Like uh, I, I call them, we've got the good boys club and the bad boys club, right? Yeah. And so, some of the so-called good boys are are putting out symbolism, you know, like the the six six six, you know, the triangle and different things. I, I spotted that a lot, yeah. and I'm just wondering, is this something that you've noticed or that you're aware of that there's people that are pretending to be on the right side? Well, there's always people that are pretending to be on the right side. You know, they call it controlled opposition. But I, I, I don't pay attention to a lot of that uh, stuff. I think it, it can become a big distraction. And one of the subject matters that um, I've grown, grown very um, frustrated with is within our movement, uh, the people that are on the front line of really speaking out and who have, who have gained uh, you know, bullhorns loud enough for the world to hear, um, it's kind of blown my mind that how many times have I had someone call me to say, I need to talk to you? You know, I think so, such and such. I think Bobby Kennedy is a controlled opposition. I think Dale Bigtree is a controlled opposition. I think, it, you know, and I'm sure they say it about me. And it, most of the time, it's just pure paranoia. And when we talk about controlled oppositions or psyops, that, that's one of them. So a lot of the people that are talking about psyops don't realize that they're actually creating a psyop the moment they start talking about all of that, because it's it's far less, it happens, I'm not go going to deny it. Um, I've been involved in a lot of frontline actions as an activist, and they, they will always send infiltrators, people into, you know, act like they're part of us, and they're actually just getting information, or they're the ones that actually instigate some kind of violence, so then they can create the media narrative that somebody threw a pipe bomb or something like that, and it's the other side doing it. So it happens, I've seen it, I've been there. But 90% of the time when these subjects come up, it's not grounded in reality. And so um, uh, I, I pay very little attention to all of that because um, for me, uh, there's, there's so many other um, constructive and proactive things for me to focus on than, than generating paranoia within my own mind, such that, um, you know, for me, it's, 
it's, uh, you know, people always say, be careful, you know, because people are, uh, they can infiltrate. Look, I, I'm not, I don't say anything um, off camera that I wouldn't say on camera. We, we, we take care of our taxes. We do very legal business. We're not involved in anything that, that if anyone came in here, they wouldn't hear another secret conversation that, that, that could distort things. We're, we're very much who we are privately and publicly. And so um, I don't worry about it. I think even if there's somebody comes into my team who was sent there to infiltrate it, all they're gonna learn is we care, we love people, and we're doing our best to, um, to leave the world better uh, than it is right now. That's all we're doing. And so I don't, I don't, I don't worry about it too much. So I've, you know, I've, I've seen uh, a lot of talk about these things and I'm usually the first one to say, it's possible, sure, and be be aware and be careful. Um, I'm involved in events where you know there'll be uh, you know dozens of of speakers that are all deemed you know enemies of the state, and within those circumstances, there's a lot of precautions to take. You know, I, I had a beautiful little elderly woman come up to me after I spoke uh, at the Capitol in Texas, and she came up with a home cooked meal for me, and I had to decline it. You know, I, I declined it, you know, you know, uh, but just by saying I'm full, thank you, I ate. But the truth is, is I don't know who sent her. And it's probably, it's probably innocent. And it was a sweet person offering a home cooked meal for me. Um, but um, it also could be somebody trying to poison me. And so we have to be aware all the time, you know, of that this is the world we live in. And there's people who don't like what we're doing and they'll go to any length to, to silence us. And so it's for somebody like myself who wants to trust people and believe the best in people, I also can't be naive to think that, you know, every food line, of, you know, that's set aside for the speakers at some of these rallies I go to, I sometimes bring my own food because all it takes is somebody, you know, doing something to wipe out, you know, the, the, uh, the, the frontline voices. And the fact that that's real and we've witnessed all these holistic doctors being killed for telling the truth. Um, and we just had an, an, another German doctor who created a, a, a very, very alarming video. And I, I'm, I'm getting mixed messages if it was hours later or a couple of days later, but he was killed, you know. And so um, it's, it's a, we, we have to be careful and aware. But at the same time, if, if this consumes us and our every thought, then it, it creates darkness of the mind because we become very paranoid and, 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 and distrusting of everything. And one of the, the, the foundational elements that's missing in our society is trust. We don't trust ourselves. We don't trust our planet. We don't trust life. We don't, we don't, we don't see the divinity in, in, in life. And, and part of seeing the divinity and having faith is trust is trusting that even though this thing feels really bad or whatever just happened feels and appears tragic, I trust that there's a reason for it and it will only make me stronger and clearer and, and give, me, give me more power. It doesn't have to take me down. So I trust that. So when things arise in my life that feel negative um, or heavy, um, my practice, my personal practice is, is how do I get to a point more swiftly to recognize that it's a gift? Because there's nothing that's happened in my life. You, we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that my brother died of AIDS. My mom died of cancer, bad cancer treatments 34 days later. Um, those are two of the greatest gifts in my life. I always say my mother's two greatest gifts she gave me was my life and her death. 
And she was my best friend, so it's not like I wanted her to die. But I recognized that through the sacrifice of her life, what that caused in me, it, that caused me to start looking behind the curtain of what I thought was reality. And that gave me a drive to, to be uh, courageous in a way that I probably wouldn't have been before because now it's in service and in honor of my mother and my brother. And without those, the, some of the strongest people that I've dealt with that blow my mind and that, that I would classify as true heroes are mothers and fathers who've had children damaged by the vaccine or by vaccines. Those are some of the strongest warriors on this planet. They've already lost their child and there's nothing you can do or to say to them to scare them away from doing what they're doing. A fragile person is somebody who's coming into it without having any of those experiences. And they will be scared very quickly and they will, they will do an about face the moment any kind of threat comes at them. They'll shut down, they'll stop, they're scared. But man, you, you cannot scare a mother. Uh, the two most powerful things I've witnessed are people who've had a direct experience with a loved one that's been damaged and somebody who has a really powerful connection with what they call God. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We really love that, love that answer. And like you've spoke to a lot of people and I mean, I, I kind of go on my podcast down the solutions line and I know because I spoke to you maybe a year ago and you were starting something on trying to, you know, maybe on the blockchain side of things, which a kind of long-winded, but for a few answers. One, the people that you've met that you think they've got the right uh, solutions and what we should be doing, and then mm -hmm. what you're doing yourself. Well, there's yeah, there's a lot of technologies that are being in, uh, created right now, and it's um, it is again back to my metaphor of looking at our inventions and understanding that our our, our inventions are an outpicturing of us understanding our our metaphysical relationship with life. And so we create, we um, consider that when the first uh, PCs, personal computers that we received, you know, they were massive, giant, heavy, and they could barely process words. Um, but there they were in our house. And it was amazing to have a personal computer. It was a, it was a, a, a big revelation in, in the world of technology. Um, and then we created this thing called the internet. And it made every computer a supercomputer, so to speak. No longer was it just limited to the data that was programmed on it in the factory, but it was now linkable to all the other computers in the world containing all their own data. So it became kind of this infinite source of information. And that's similar to the progression of what's happening, I believe, with humanity right now. We have been programmed to working off of our limited hard drive, and now we're going online. We're starting to look for information from another source outside of the brain, outside of other people's brains, but that which for me is out, off of beyond our limited hard drive space. It's, we're now linking to others. And, and that's clear in you know, the technologies that we've created. We're, we're literally, it's a neural network of, of internet technologies that allow us now to share information infinitely. And that's why there's such a threat to, um, to the system and why they're working so hard to limit our uh, communication through these devices because it's going to help us evolve. You know, for better and for worse, the internet is also can be very destructive, but just like anything, it's a, it's, we have a tendency to misuse everything that we invent and everything that we, we encounter. 
you know, sex is a beautiful, sacred thing, but it's, it, it can be very dark. And food is a necessity, but most of the food we're consuming these days is not even food. And so it's the right use of, of everything. Medicine is a wonderful thing. I, I'm incredibly, um, uh, I, I have a lot of reverence for medicine, but the misuse of medicine is killing people every single day. And so it's, it's reframing these things and coming back into right relationship with the things that we invent in our lives and to start to look at them as if it's a, a blueprint, a, a scale model of, of our own reality, our own universe of reality. And so we look at these things, you know, as we invent and we realize we don't really invent anything. We just, we start to understand our, our, our natural technologies and we, as we start to understand that we're actually energetically, even without speaking, we're, we're transferring data all the time, you know, important data, um, that's when we start to go, I wonder if we can create a telephone that is not wired, but, but is sent out energetically. And then we do, and we create that. The internet is an outpicturing of how we're unifying. And so um, it, uh, it's just very important for us to begin to look at our technologies in a different way to use them rightfully. And all of that begins with what we started talking about at the beginning here with is, is um, really taking a more of focus of the way our children are being raised. Because all of these forces that are doing harm to our planet and to our people right now, um, it's either done from pure arrogance, so lack of, lack of real education, lack of learning how to critical think, you don't need to be taught to be environmentalist. We're, we're born that way. But then we, we lose track of the importance of Mother Nature, and we lose that reverence for her. And so, you know, throwing trash on the ground, you know, we can do that when, when, when we um, to lose that respect. And so raising our children, think about all the people that are at the helm of, of, of these wicked agendas. If they were raised properly, would they be so dark? Would they be willing to harm thousands of people? Would they be thinking about their corporations and the advancement of uh, more billions of dollars over the well-being of humanity? Not if they were raised right. So we have a fundamental issue with the way that our children, and a lot of it has to do with educational system, and our schools being you know, toxic daycare centers. They're, they're not really teaching kids what they, what they need to learn to, um, to both uh, navigate and lead our world, they're teaching them to be robots, to be worker bees. And they're learning by rote. They're not, they're not exploring. They're not learning through projects that fire them up, that teach them how to innovate and, and to actually become leaders and, and public speakers and how to articulate themselves, how to, how to process um, the, the inevitable um, challenges that come with being in this physical reality. They're not taught any of that. Um, they're, they're taught a bunch of phony history that is meant to manipulate their futures so that they're either um, shamed into believing that they are the oppressor or that they are oppressed. And that's not leading our generation into any, anything healthy. Our next generations. No, 
Oh, definitely. And like my youngest child, he's he's going to be eight this month. And uh, and uh, like I had seen uh, your um, recording with your son. Is it something that you have kind of maybe considered doing like a documentary for the children? Because at the end of the day, you know, there's more chance of them because we saw how it was done on the wrong side with the climate change and everything, but actually doing it on the right side. Well, Plandemic 3 is, is all about the children. Yeah, it's 100% about uh, stopping the indoctrination of our children and and laying out um, potential pathways for parents to um, regain the sovereignty of, 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 of how to parent their children, how to educate their children, how to keep them safe. Um, it's an education for the for the parents as well, because if, if there's a, you know, if the children, the child is going to school and, and and it's a wonderful school learning wonderful things, but they come home to a toxic home environment where, where they're being shamed or criticized or, 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 um, or kind of pressed into their own box of limitations. Um, then it, all it's going to do is, is, is confuse the, the, the children who are learning two different, two different, um, ideologies from, the people in their lives, their parents and their teachers. And so it's very important that the parents come together and to understand um, the healthier ways of, of, of engaging with their children. The importance of uh, my focus is always, um, and we're going to, we're going to touch upon it. I'm going to, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to um, anger some men in the world because I want to, I want to really um, examine that, and and lay it out in a, in a in a compassionate way, but to show men that there are, um, as one example, the majority of men in this country that we call America know more. The majority know more about their favorite sports team than they do their own children, and that's a problem. They obsessively follow the Lakers or whatever it might be, and they know everything about their. Uh, I was at the gym uh, a few years ago, and I was I was sitting on the bench, and I was overhearing uh, two guys talk about uh, the Lakers game that had just happened the night before the playoffs. And I was amazed at the information that these guys knew. They knew what college every player went to, how tall each player was, what age they were, um, where they were born, um, every bit, everything to, to do with their um, athletic skills, where they're weak, where they're strong. And I was just so tempted to interrupt these guys and say, hey guys, you have children? What's their favorite color? I know that the answer would have been like, how the hell would I know? Yeah, but you know what Kobe Bryant's favorite color is or was at this point, but back then he was still around. Um, and, and not to shame anybody, but to have them realize that all of these things are phones and all of these all of this binge watching that we do, and we put all of our attention in these, these, you know, Game of Thrones or whatever it might be, and it's taking us off the front line of our own lives. And we know more about the actors in Game of Thrones and the plots of Game of Thrones than who's running our local politics, who's making the laws and decisions that literally affects our lives directly every single day. We have no idea who's running for our local office or who's, you know, and and all of that is by design. It's the same. It's a reason that they've said forever. Well, the one thing you don't do is talk politics. They don't want us talking politics. They don't want us involved in that. Just go over there and 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 sit with your addiction and your fetish and 
and pay close attention to every college football game and all of that because we don't want you involved in the things that actually shape you and your, your, your family's lives. And so we have to, we have to see that's another magic trick that we have, to, we have to become aware of so that we at least divide our time equally. You know, have your sports. I'm coming from a very athletic family. My kids are in the backyard playing ball right now. And so um, it's very important, more important to engage in actual physical activity than watching it, I would say. But at least balance, create balance so that if you're 50% of your time is focused on college football, cool. Make the other 50%, not all of your time, but, but at least, you know, at least balance that out with your understanding of your, the local policies that are being passed, who's, who's actually running. Because what most people do is they're, they're shamed into voting and they go and they get it some kind of a cheat sheet from a friend and they just go click down. Okay, let me vote for everybody on my team. Okay, cool. And they have no idea that they're ushering in the very policies that we're all right now being enslaved by. We've done this. It's us. There is a they, but it is a us that is actually allowing they to have power. And the moment we stop doing that, there is no they. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I understand that as well, like at the local level, if everybody takes, you know, interest in the local level, they yeah. can't. You know, they can they can pull the strings from the top, but if it's not being moved, you know, they don't get what they want in life. That's right. Yeah. And just regarding the children, I remember like paying attention to that years ago, like even 20 years ago or more. I'd be talking to people, say, on a construction site, and I wouldn't even know that they had a child and he was bothering me. I was like, why did you know for me it's the most important thing in my life? I just adore my children. Yeah. And like, you know, like some people, like you said about the football team, they'll talk about everything else and they don't mention their children. So I think if we give, you know, our hearts to our children, you see the love that comes from children is you know beyond what you'll see from any adult. Yeah, that's right. Listen, I appreciate your time and I'll give it back to Grace to close it out. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mickey. Do you want to share what your shirt, what that, what it says on your shirt? Because there's power, there's frequency in every letter and in every word. Yeah. So it's, the, you know, Awaken the Lions, we started a new apparel line. And during the time when I was being censored and banned everywhere, it was, there was a real concerted effort to figuring out how do I get my continue to keep my voice out in the world because they were <laughs> banning me everywhere. I literally do podcasts and I, whether this is paranoia or not, it was it, the fact that it happened so much. I had to really think like, is this intentional? How many podcasts did I do shortly after pandemic that they'd have technical problems? They would just be zapped. We'd, we'd get in five minutes and it'd be, it'd, it'd be gone. And I thought, is there somebody really watching me at this level? This is kind of crazy. Um, and and so we started in apparel line with T-shirts and hats and hoodies with a bunch of powerful statements because we thought um, we have to, we, we really must, this I will say have to, we have to start considering this, the way that we have been led into um, being a unwitting promoters of these corporate empires that are um, doing incredible harm to our planet and our people. And so we're, we, you know, we find it a, a, a son of a weird status symbol to wear Nike and Hurley and Adidas and all these things. And the majority of these companies, you know, they have, they have sweatshops, they have slave labor in other nations, um, Apple, all of it. 
And, and so we, we thought, let's, let's start an apparel line where we can actually, people can, if we're going to be walking billboards, we might as well say something. And so we have these powerful t-shirts and we have a new company that we call the Rebel Lion. Or if you look at it at an angle, you might think that it says the Rebellion. And we did that intentionally. And, um, and so this is one of the shirts from the collection. And what it, what it means for us is, you know, it, it, from the cliche that there's lion, lions and sheeps, and we have been sheeps for so long. Um, but we were born lions. And so, um, you know, we're lions and sheep clothing. And so we, we need to step up and understand that, that, that we are the kings and queens of this jungle. And so uh, to awaken the lions means, you know, let's, let's drop this tendency to, to follow the herd as sheeps and understand that we all have a voice and we're, we're capable of roaring and, and that it's time to roar right now. It's time on our planet. And the more of us to step up to realize that we're lions and lioness, um, the, the faster that we will turn this ship around. Fantabulous, as someone said. How about your book? You 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 just published. You want to say yeah, something? My, yeah, I would love to say something about the book because it um, it surprised me. It's doing really well. It reached number two on Amazon. We had to sell it on Amazon. I want people to realize that there's a necessary evil called Amazon, and right now, until these new technologies we're building um, are implemented in the world, uh, Amazon is a massive machine, and we had to make the choice between you know, um, having something on that platform and reaching the world. And, and so, you know, we had to succumb to that. And I'm, I'm really hoping by my next book, and there, there will be a next book, which is, will be a children's series, um, that we don't have, we no longer need Amazon. But right now we do. And so it went number two on Amazon, and it is a book that um, is all, all five-star reviews right now, and it is written from a position. It's not just a rehash of the information in the movie is written uh, from a point of view to really rehumanize, to uh, reunite us, and to um, inspire us to understand what's coming and, and how important it is that we all play an active conscious role in that. And so people are uh, giving me feedback saying that it was the thing that woke up their father finally, or their, or their wife, or their sister, or brother, or whatever their best friends, that it was, it's written in a way that's not so bombastic that it just becomes something that's discarded, but it's written with a, a logic to it, showing the data as we go, but also really talking about uh, some of the uh, ideas that we discussed on this podcast of the importance of us coming back to our original power of nature and, and, you know, and discovering within that that life purpose that we we knew when we were children, but somehow got distracted from, and um, and so that is uh, the feedback I've been getting has been really remarkable, and uh, all of this is available. Our movies are free. We never charge a dime for any of our movies. Never profit from any of our movies. Um, the 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 book is uh, on the site at pandemicseries.com, and I highly recommend people to sign up for our newsletter that's on that same page, pandemicseries.com because that's where we do most of our communication. I'm not online at all anymore. I shut down my Facebook and everything. I, I, somebody started a Twitter page for me, but I've never used it, and I'm glad now. Um, I'll probably just end up shutting that down totally. I want nothing to do with, no, with those platforms. Um, so we do most of our communication through uh, email blasts that happen uh, every week or every other week. 
And so sign up for that. Um, but there's also be, beyond the two pandemic movies and soon to be a third in a th three or four months, um, there's a little snippets that I highly recommend people to look at on the pandemic site. Um, the truth about the WHO, about the CDC, about Bill Gates, about the birth of Big Pharma. Um, there's little short five to 15 minute long short films that were extracted from Plandemic 2 that um, is a nice place to start to learn from and to also help educate others from. Um, sometimes they won't watch an, a, a 70, uh, 80 minute movie, but if you send them an 11 minute clip about Gale, Bill Gates and, and, and you show them actually people in India talking about what he's done there, um, they start to understand that there's um, uh, something a little bit uh, um, more um, uh, uh, dark and disturbing than the narrative that he is uh, the world's greatest philanthropist. And so uh, plandemicseries.com is where, where it all is. And, and um, I ask people if they go out and buy the book, please leave a review. And if they have any personal uh, reach out, uh, send a message through that same site. And uh, anything that's addressed to me comes to me and I actually read it all. Um, it's nobody else reading it, it's me, I read them. I don't always have the time to get back to everybody, but I read absolutely, I've told uh, the person who goes for the emails, anything that's directed to me, please send it to me. And usually at midnight, I go through all the emails and read them all. And it's very helpful and I, I love engaging with people that way. And when I have time, I, I respond to people um, directly and um, thank them for reaching out. Fantastic, thank you so much. And to end, I'd like to offer divine reverence to all our children, to all our elders living and those who have gone beyond us. And I say, mano po, and that means bless you in Filipino. And also divine reverence to our eternal protector, eternal love and still point, field of source consciousness. I say, salamat po. Salamat po. Salamat that's the language in your wife's native language. And Mabalos, that's my language. And I say thank you to everyone. You, and thank you for the engagement. They, the viewers had their own conversations. And I say, and uh, one of the best statement also that I got from the viewers. And thank you, Atmar. He's also a podcaster. And to remind us that there's a Hawaiian song and poem that says, I am sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And I love you. Hawaponapona. Very powerful medicine. That's right. See, I know you would know it. Thank you. I would, like to, I would like to say thank you so much for that. And I would like to say that um, this has not been announced yet. So this might be the first time people hear this. Uh, but I'd like to give the deepest prayers and blessings to the um, husband of Judy Michaelvitz, the subject of Pandemic One. He passed away last night. And so this is not known yet um, in the world. I'm sure it'll be coming out very soon. But uh, I spoke with Judy right before his passing last night. So he made the transition. He's, he's had an illness for uh, several years uh, that he finally succumbed to and transitioned last night. So God bless his soul. Uh, thank you. His name is David. Thank you, David, for the support and the love and the power that you've given that incredible wife of yours to allow her to do what she's doing, and that is saving millions of lives. God bless you, friend. to do it. And that's the Aduhasi language of Amen. Amen. Give a short moment of pause for the, the husband, and we can all do that.
Mábalos. Mábalos.